Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Edmonton was high on my list. Uh, they got a lot of skill up front and I think they have a great future ahead. I still don't have a talent cup, so I think joining this team is pretty exciting. Uh, when I look at the potential that the lineup has. My decision was uh, pretty easy. Obviously, with those high-caliber players they have on their roster and just being in the hockey city uh, made my decision really easy. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platton. This, this is Cam Talbot. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America-wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, Appreciate you tuning in. Brendan Escott here filling in for Bob Stoffer on the Monday edition of Oilers Now. And uh, my friends, we meet for the first time under pleasant circumstances. It feels like the last two shows that I hosted, it was not a good vibe. That is not the case this time around. Two big wins over the weekend for the Edmonton Oilers. They are now 16-12-2. Still fifth place in the Pacific Division, ninth place in the West, but they're right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. One point back behind San Jose and the Vegas Golden Knights. Hey, the show is brought to you by Digitex. You can now buy your PCs from Digitex. Keep it all under one roof with one number to call and one simple invoice for all of your office technology needs. We'll hear from Bob in a little bit, about 12.15-ish. We'll check in with him. The Oilers had an optional practice this morning that started about an hour ago, and they are going to be jumping on the plane off to Colorado to take on uh, one of the better teams in the NHL this year for sure in the Avalanche. 12.35, we'll hear from our regular Monday contributor, John Shannon. 105, we'll check in with the voice of the World Junior A Challenge that's taking place in Bonneville right now, that being Tim Ellis. We'll check in on some of the draft-eligible players that are playing in uh, the northeast part of the province. And then uh, we'll check in also at 135 with the captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Trey Fix Wolanski. Here's how you get a hold of us. It's uh, on the Oilers Now hotline, 780-496-0063. That's brought to you by the River Cree Resort and Casino. 5440 is at the River Cree on December 29th. Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. You can text us, of course, at uh, 630-630 on the Heartland Ford text line. Not your small town dealership with a huge new state-of-the-art facility. Experience the difference 
of Heartland Ford. I'm on Twitter at Brendan Escott. That's Brendan with two E's. Bob, of course, is at Bob underscore Stoffer, and you can tweet the show as well at Oilers Now. So we mentioned it off the top. 7-2 victory, an offensive outburst and somewhat of an anomaly given what we've seen under uh, Ken Hitchcock to this point. But the one-goal games, the very tight, nail-biting games, they seem to be working because the team is now 7-2-1 and under Ken Hitchcock, who just continues to find a way to get the job done. Now, Friday over Minnesota, that was four third-period goals. Getting the scoring started in the first, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid. When you've got all of those guys firing on all cylinders, that's a tough team to beat. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened consistently enough. Now, you can't discredit Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, He was great out of the gate. He's been pushed back to the second-line center role, and he is probably the best two-way hockey player on this team. He has quietly now become one of the better two-way centers in the entire league as far as I'm concerned. And when he's putting up uh, offensive numbers as well, the team is in good shape. Cam Talbot got the starting goal as well for the Oilers on Friday. And he was solid. That's his third start in a row where he's been solid. He was good against St. Louis. He was uh, he was pretty good against Los Angeles in that loss on the road a couple of weeks back. And for somebody who's had to make the adjustment now to... A timeshare at the very least, if not, uh, well, it's not officially a backup role by any stretch, but he's done well in in spot duty. Now, how about Miko Koskinen again last night, as we'll dip here into the Oilers Now Audio Vault, brought to you by Direct Workwear. Times are tough. Direct's deals, they're tougher. Save 25% in-store on workwear all December long. And... It was a shutout last night, and I think that the best way for us to relive that is through the audio recap. The next voice you're going to hear is that, as Bob likes to call them, the dulcet tones of Jack Michaels. The rematch tonight at Rogers Place. Good evening, everyone. I'm Jack Michaels, and we are underway with Ryan Nugent Hopkins controlling the opening faceoff. And McDavid had it blocked by Noah Hannafin. Gets it right back inside. Dry subtle back door. Nugent Hopkins shoots glove save Riddick. And the rebound sent up ice by Derek Ryan. Anthony Pelusa was just flattened by Matt Benning. We'll keep an eye on that. McDavid to Dry subtle across. Back to McDavid. What timer? Connor McDavid has made. His 16th of the year, a beauty off a three-way passing play. Hamannick with a turnover, and again, a finishing hit by Lucic on Hamannick. And now they'll fight. This is the first fight of the year for Milan Lucic. Peluso throws a couple of right hands. Lucic thunders back with a right to the body. They're strung out right at center, chopping right Milan Lucic. And the helmet comes off, and then Peluso answered with a right hand. The linesmen move in there and break it up. And again, a bit of a premature stoppage in terms of the fight, in my opinion. As soon as the helmet comes off, that's it. They're jumping in. That's what we're seeing. Nugent Hopkins breakaway. Backhander denied. David Riddick, and he has been brilliant. Here's a steal by Cassian. Breakaway, dry settle. Shoots wide. Rebound, dry settle. And a sprawled out David Riddick is able to smother it. Winds up for Quine. Shot score. This game is tied. Did Anthony Peluso get a piece of that puck? I think he did. Let's go ringside. It's challenging whether there was goaltender interference on the play. For review, we have no goal, goalkeeper interference. 
I imagine you're happy to be incorrect there. Back to Brody, eight seconds. What timer Anderson deflected over the net? And Kara has a chance to clear. He does. No, it's knocked down, thrown in front. Time will expire, and Edmonton hangs on. And Miko Koskinen, for the third time in six outings at Rogers Place, has pitched a shutout. Miko Koskinen's numbers this year are absolutely ridiculous at home. By the way, he's top three in the league in shutouts, goals against average, and save percentage. Koskinen right now is 6-0 at Rogers Place with a 9-7-2 save percentage. He is very, very difficult to beat on home ice. Now... Obviously, it was a solid performance. It was just Hitchcock hockey again at its finest where the Oilers aren't scoring much, but the other team is scoring even less. So let's get to a Hitchcock's thoughts on the game. They're a really good team. Their tempo that they play at puts a lot of pressure on you. I thought we did a really good job in the first and third period. It got away on us a little bit in the second when we got caught in the stretch game, but I like how we stayed with it when we got an early lead. We didn't, we didn't try to flex out. We got quality chances in the second period for the first half, but playing the right way. I, I, I like the way we protected the lead in the third period especially. So that to me is where we're learning how to play as a unit of five. We're not spread out. That's a, that's a good sign. But it, w- it was a big test because this is the first time without practice that we've got challenged so much off the rush. They got so many good rush attack players, and I thought we did a decent job checking them. Never short of words is Ken Hitchcock, which uh, us as reporters definitely appreciate. Now, he also mentioned uh, how big those two points were. Calgary leading the Pacific Division. They've been on quite a roll lately, and uh, the Oilers didn't allow them anything. Here's Hitchcock on what those two points meant last night. Well, the message was... Until the damn teams around us won, we, we thought we were going to get in the playoffs as of today. That was two points, and we needed the two points more than anything, and that was the whole focus. Whatever we got to do for two points, we'll do. And if, if there's a disturbance, we, we need to be there as a group of five. And Calgary was the same way. I, I thought this was, a, this was a playoff game played by both teams. I thought it was a really sound well-played hockey game we still had lots of scoring chances and they had scoring chances especially in the second period but overall it was a playoff game every puck battle mattered every loose puck there was a battle for a race that's what playoff hockey's about it did have that playoff vibe last night at rogers place the fans were absolutely into it and it just cements further that if this ever becomes a seven game playoff series or heck even a four or five game playoff series that's going to be a fun thing to participate in now you watched the game you watched the first game between the Oilers and the the Flames. And it was feisty. It was nasty. Matthew Kachuk was the focal point of the entire thing. And a lot of people were wondering whether that was going to spill over into meeting number two. I, I personally, and this isn't to toot my own horn, I suspected it would be a lot more tame. It just doesn't seem like that's the brand of hockey that an experienced coach like Hitchcock is is really in favor of. And Please don't take that as any discredit to Todd McClellan or thinking that I assume Todd McClellan was sending the dogs after the Flames. 
It's not about that, but Hitchcock has this team playing so responsibly that there just wasn't really that potential for a lot to happen. Although there was one interaction, a couple really big hits there. It wasn't as if it was a dull game. And one of those big hits, Lucic threw on uh, Travis Hamanick and Anthony, Anthony Peluso rather stepped up. He had t- <laughs> Peluso had two minutes and 28 seconds of ice time and seven penalty minutes, some of those coming from a fight with Milan Lucic. Here's Lucic on Peluso stepping up. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, so uh, you know, I, had, I, had, I got no issue with uh, with Peluso doing his job, and uh, you know he's he's a good, honest guy and a good, honest player. And um, you know, I, I just I just needed three, four deep breaths there before I you before were, I you yeah, before I dropped the gloves. But you know, I, I respect guys like him in their in in the role that he plays, and it's a good way to get the crowd going and, and keep the rivalry alive. Lucic earning a lot of respect from the Oilers fans as things go along. The success of that third line, the identity line, they're not scoring as we know, but they contribute in other ways, and that was one of them. One last clip here. We mentioned Miko Koskinen has been lights out on home ice. Uh, if Hitchcock's a man of a lot of words, Koskinen's a man of very few. He likes to just go about his business. But here's Koskinen on his success on home ice. No, I don't think there's any, any secrets. Just maybe a little bit lucky and... You know, I, I really don't know. I don't, I don't focus that. Every game is different. And you have to prove, prove yourself every day. And it doesn't matter if it's a home or away ice. I don't think it has anything to do with luck. I think he's actually a pretty darn good goaltender. So there it is for the Audio Vault for Direct Work, where we're going to step aside right now. When we come back, we'll get Bob Stoffer, the man himself, on the line. We'll talk about uh, how practice looked, and then we'll uh, we'll review the weekend as well. This is Brendan Escott, pinch hitting for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer today, and I was just chatting to Bob on the phone, and I think I accidentally hung up on him, so we'll get him back on the line. There he is. We can see him calling now, and we'll uh, get his thoughts on what was a successful weekend for the Oilers, and particularly that of, uh, of Miko Koskinen. Bob, uh, what was what was things looking like at practice today? Was there many bodies out there uh, at the optional? Uh, well, he's calling it a designate. Uh, so a lot of the big minute guys, uh, obviously McDavid, uh, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, uh, the identity line with Brodziak and Cassian and uh, Lucic, uh, they did not skate, uh, nor did um, Chase on, so that's seven forwards, and then the top four D did not skate as well. Uh, but there's still, you know, it's funny, Ken was watching sort of Glenn Gullison run practice today, and uh, I know we'll have some, Reed will have some clips coming up on Inside Sports Night, maybe in the final uh, quarter hour of the show uh, today as well, just about, you know, how to improve areas that, because even though they got the two wins over the weekend, the power play hasn't scored for five games now, and, how do you improve a power play when you don't have full practice time? So uh, I'm going to be intrigued to see that work in progress. Ken said today in the availability, he said the team's 60% in terms of, he said the effort's at 80 to 90% of where it needs to get to, but he said the execution's at about 60. And I, I think if I'm an Oilers fan hearing that, that should have you excited uh, because this is not a finished product. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, smart people, Brendan, they keep on learning in life. And they don't ever stop learning. They don't ever think they've got all the answers. And I think we're getting a first-hand look at a coach who's always wanted to coach this team. 
and that sees the potential in some of the players and wants to continue to grow the whole process out forward. So I know the owners are on a 7-2-1 and one run. Maybe they've been a little lucky to have a 7-2-1 and one record under Ken, but I do think there's going to be much more progression with the actual team process moving forward. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, they are 7-2-1 and one under Hitchcock, three wins in a row. At what point do we stop and say, okay, perhaps this isn't luck. Perhaps this philosophy about winning these tight games is actually legitimate. I mean, to me, I think the true test of whether this system is, is going to hold up over time is coming up in these next two games against a couple of real uh, high-powered offenses. What do you think? Well, I'm, hey, Brendan, add Calgary. Calgary's got a really good team. They're a deep squad. I know they didn't have Giordano and Backlund going. And Backlund, has, he's got unbelievable career numbers against the others. He's played Nugent Hopkins and McDavid hard, uh, so they missed him. And Giordano's the top 15 defenseman in the world. Colorado's interesting, too. I mean, they got pounded by Tampa Bay, and they've had some games where they've given up a lot of goals. I, I, you know, yeah, I think we're going to have a better idea of where Edmonton's at after they play Colorado and Winnipeg, and even the game against the Flyers, because the Flyers can score, too. But one of the things Edmonton's done is they've limited uh, high-grade scoring opportunities. They've uh, Ken referred to it today as the red zone. You know, they've tried to limit those red zone opportunities for opposition teams. And if he's saying there's 60% of the way there in terms of their execution, there's more progression that's going to take place. So that's got to be excited. The power play, I don't know if that's going to be something that gets fixed over the next four game, or next three games over the next four or five days here. I think that's they're going to need more practice time for that. I think there's been some progression with the penalty killing. And as you know, who has to be your best penalty killer? And conversely, who helps you have success when the opposition's in your red zone? Your goalie. And they've got both goalies going right now as well. Do you think that they, the success of the goaltenders is more on them and the, and the confidence with the team playing in front of them? Or is it on the fact that the, the systematically the team is buttoned down so much that the goalie, goalies are getting boosts from that? Because I look at a situation, I've never seen a, a goaltending split be that successful and certainly not as successful as this one has been. Yeah, and maybe at one point it becomes one guy. Uh, I mean, if playoffs, hypothetically, if the Oilers can make the playoffs, you would think they're going to have to go with one guy. He was, uh, Ken Hitchcock was quite effusive. It is crazy. He uh, quoted uh, a guy who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Sergei Zubov, who uh, the listeners of this show would know was a tremendous puck-moving defenseman with the Dallas Stars also was the highest-scoring player with the Rangers the year they won the Cup in 93-94. And he said that Koskinen's hard. He's tough. You know, he constantly wants to improve his game. And what a remarkable story. But I, I'm going to get back to tomorrow or yesterday morning at practice. You know, I got the, the team was on the ice at 10.30. I got there at 10.05. Miko Koskinen is starting. And he's on the ice already with Dustin Schwartz taking shots. He's starting and on the ice at 10. Like, this guy, it's its remarkable what's occurred here, Brendan, for all of the criticism. And I know it's a short sample size, but if you saw the work ethic and then you factor in the systematic changes as the owners, you know, go for more of a man style to more of a, a zone, they still play man within the zone. Um, you could see that the goals against is going to come down and, 
Talbot's, you know, improved as well. So I think it's a combination of both to answer your question. We've got a text here from Jesse on the Heartland Ford text line, Bob, asking if there's any uh, status updates or maybe some return guesses for the three injured folks. We know Sakura is going to be out a little bit longer, but Kajula yep. was only ever his day-to-day, right? Yeah, Kajula had a swollen uh, hand slash thumb, uh, which would affect his ability to grip a stick. Uh, he practiced full today. So did Reader. I talked to Reader after. I don't think Reader... Uh, I'd be surprised if either guy played against Colorado. I don't think I'd have to take a look at when they placed Jula on IR, but uh, I guess retroactively he could have played. Well, anyway, anyways, I don't think either guy will play on Tuesday, uh, but they're close, and that's going to, when Reader comes back in particular, that's going to change. Well, and frankly, Kajula as well, because it's going to give Ken Hitchcock more options. I mean, obviously, Marodi's going to go down, and I think we're seeing with that American League team. They need Marodi. Marodi is an important player for them. He drives the uh, Benson Hebig uh, combination with Marodi. Um, but uh, I expect, it wouldn't be able to rival possibilities to see Kajula, I think, potentially play. Yeah, I thought I was led to believe he'd be out one or two weeks. Well, you know, one week would be what he got hurt uh, Wednesday in practice when we fly home. I'm trying to recall when we, uh, yeah, we played Monday in Dallas, did not play Wednesday against St. Louis. So, uh, got hurt Tuesday at practice, so I could foresee him. Maybe maybe he's back as early as Thursday against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Sakura is going to be an interesting one. I, I believe Brendan, he's going to, uh, you know, maybe he can, the Oilers can talk with him and get him to play some games in the minors because he hasn't played a lot. Last year it was a disaster for him when he came back. But the other thing that's happened here is Gravel and Benny have played pretty well. They've given the Oilers serviceable minutes in that third pairing. Right now, hey, you're on a 7-2-1 and run, uh, run. The team has been playing with better structure and process, and the coach is saying we're only 60% there. If, I, if I'm an Oilers fan, I'm excited to see where this goes moving forward. All right, Bob, in uh, 15 seconds-ish, uh, what's the travel schedule? When do they land? When do they practice tomorrow? Morning skate tomorrow at uh, 11.30 in Colorado. The team flies out at 2 o'clock today. It's about a two-hour and 50-minute flight. So uh, have at it. Let's make sure we have a show to work with tomorrow, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate the time, Thanks, Bob. Brandon. Safe travels. Hey, yeah, take care. Bye-bye. That was uh, Bob Stoffer joining us just after Edmonton Oilers morning skate. It's Brendan Escott filling in on Oilers now. We're going to step aside for a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We will come back with John Shannon. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.